live. <laughs> Good to see you guys. Thankful that uh, you were able to come out. I don't know about y'all, but I'm grateful for a place that we're able to come and worship and lift the name of Jesus um, in the midst of all this craziness. And um, I'm thankful for our online capabilities. So um, the folks who are unable to be with us this morning can still worship with us. So um, if you would, please stand and join us. Good morning, Rushwood. 
That's it. We might have a few here, but we got voices. We Y'all may have a seat. This morning, I just got a few announcements. First one is all church functions except for Sunday morning service have been called off for this week. Uh, we will let you know more information on this issue soon. And always to remember, there's online giving at rushwood.org. Also, also, if you haven't, pick one of these up right here on your way out on the back right table out here and hand them out um, or leave them at people's doors or on their cars <laughs> if you don't want to hand them to somebody. Um, or you could hand them to somebody. We uh, have our Easter is April 5th, or Palm Sunday is April 5th, my bad. 10.30 at Rushwood. Kids will sing April 5th. Also, on April 10th, Good Friday service, communion, um, service and communion at 7 p.m. Nursery will be available for newborns, uh, ages newborn through two, the age of two. Sunday, April 12th, Easter Sunday, 9.30 a.m. Uh, we have free family portraits, and they will be picked up on April 26th later that month. We also have um, that morning's April Easter Sunday morning, the at ten thirty service. The sermon will be the rescue story, the empty tomb. Uh, we also will have a baptism that morning. If you want to be baptized or know somebody who wants to be baptized, you got a sign up sheet in the back right on your way out. Make sure you put your shirt size down for that uh, if you want to be baptized. Also, it's going to be, we are also going to have an Easter egg hunt for the kids ages 11 and under. Sorry, parents, you can't come do the Easter egg hunt because there are going to be prizes out there along with candy. You're going to have five prizes with $20 cash prizes and one $100 cash prize included, which I hate that, so I wish I could go out there and get an egg because I could use $100. Or 20, either way. Right? Can't you be? Yeah, I could use $100 or 20, either way. All right, so today's going to be a great day. We thank everyone for coming out today. I uh, thank everyone that's online watching us on YouTube um, or Facebook. And we appreciate y'all coming out. If y'all have a Connect card right in front of you and back of the pew, if you want to fill that out, if you haven't been here before, and just uh, come back here to the back of the table. We'll have a gift for you on the way out. And I'm going to turn it over to Brent. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, did not anticipate this day would be this way, but that's how life goes sometimes. We don't always uh, know what's coming our way. And so uh, we had to change our plans a couple of times this week. Um, those of you who are watching online and those of you who are here, I appreciate you working with us as we tried to come up with what is the path of wisdom um, during this COVID-19 outbreak. And so uh, we don't fully have our plans developed for next Sunday. We're going to see kind of how the week develops, and we're going to talk together, pray together as a leadership team. 
Uh, it could be that we're doing online only next Sunday. It could be that we're going to do multiple services to limit the amount of people who are in the room. We just, we're not sure yet, so we're going to pray, and you guys help us pray about that. I do appreciate you uh, tuning in online, um, either through Facebook or through YouTube. Um, as this goes on, our church will still have bills that we have to pay and staff that we have to um, pay and support. And so if you want to give, you can give uh, either through mail. You can mail in your tithes and offerings, and we're so grateful that you support the church in that way. Uh, or you can go online to rushwood.org, and uh, if you go online, www.rushwood.org, uh, there is a link for online giving. If you've never done that before, it's very simple. I plan to do that later today uh, to pay my tithes to the church. And so uh, we just appreciate you continuing to support us. This will pass. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so we're not panicking. Uh, I put out a couple of weeks ago, and I said it last Sunday, that I'm not afraid of the coronavirus because I probably am not going to get it, but if I do get it, I'm probably going to live through it, and if I don't live through it, then I get to go home and be with Jesus. And so I've already won. I don't have to have fear about this. Uh, I understand fear is a natural response to something like this, but we also have a supernatural response that we have hope and we have eternal life in Jesus Christ. And so don't give in to panic. Uh, this will pass. God's mercy and God's grace will prevail during this time. And uh, when we're back on normal church schedule, opening things up, we expect you to be here ready to worship and ready to praise God. This is also a time that we can reflect. If there's somebody watching today and you don't know Jesus Christ uh, as your Savior, this reminds us that life is fragile. As much as we think uh, mankind has things under control by this point with all our technology and all our advancements, we don't have everything in control, but praise God, He has everything in control. So if you don't know Jesus Christ, today would be a great day to check out who Jesus is, what He's done. There's salvation in no other name than the name of Jesus Christ. And so if you need to make Him your Savior, you just repent of your sins, recognize that you're a sinner, you turn to Him, and the Bible tells us that those who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. So put your faith in him. He died, but he rose again on the third day. And because of that, we have hope for eternal life. And so I just want to give you that encouragement today uh, that we need to be aware. We need to be cautious. We need to know what's going on. But there is hope beyond this world in Jesus. I'm going to ask those that are here to stand with us. Our ushers are going to come, and they're going to... Uh, they're going to receive the offering this morning. I think we only have a couple of ushers today, or maybe one. So if you need to uh, give, you can give to Mark with the bucket today, or you can give in the giving box on the way out today. Things are a little bit different today, but uh, we're just so thankful you're here, and we're so thankful you're tuning in online to our Rushwood Church service this morning. Let's worship together.
What an appropriate song this morning. Amen. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I love that part. From my mother's womb, you have chosen me. Can you imagine that? Can you just think about that for about two seconds? From your mother's womb, he has chosen you. That is powerful, powerful. When I think about my life and I think about what a mess I was, but from my mother's womb, he had chosen me. That means a lot to me this morning. Does it mean a lot to you this morning? Let us pray. Father God, we are grateful. God, we are grateful that you have chosen us. Father, we get the idea sometimes that we choose you, but the fact is, you choose us. We're going to talk about that this morning, Lord. At what lengths you would go to to get to us. Father, we're grateful for that. Father, we're grateful that, as Brent has already said, Lord, that you have not given us a spirit of fear. God, you love us and you have given us a sound mind this morning. We thank you for that. Father, we just ask your blessing upon this service. Father, that you will use it penetrate hearts and lives Father may it be effective may the words I speak be your words God may you hide me behind the cross may you keep me from being seen this morning Father because Lord if it's my words it's just words but Lord if it's your word your word is living it is strong and it is powerful and it can change lives. So, Lord, we want it to be your word this morning. Father, we thank you for these that have showed up in the midst of the circumstances, Father. We ask a special blessing upon them. Keep us safe here this morning. Father, we'll give you all the praise. for You're deserving of it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. How's everybody? <laughs> All of you. <laughs> well, good morning. It is my time to fill in for Pastor Brent. I know he, I know this kind of the, the coronavirus has messed everything up. Uh, Tim, I'm, I've got a little feedback here. If I need to switch to a mic, I will. Um, but uh, I, I thought to myself, me and Adam Hurley were talking, and we thought, man, what lengths? Will the UNC fans go to to keep Duke from winning the ACC championship? I mean, this is just absurd, isn't it? But the coronavirus has got us all been out of shape. But aren't you glad that you are a part of the 90 and 9? Huh? In more ways than one this morning, you are a part of the 90 and 9. I think that's appropriate to say this morning. But uh, Pastor Brent had asked me to fill in for him this morning and I think originally he was going to take some time off but due to the circumstances uh, you know he, he felt like he needed to be here and uh, uh, but you guys continue to pray for pastor I know he's still uh, struggling with stomach issues and I think they're getting to the bottom of it but uh, uh, he's still got some some situation there so do pray for him and continue to pray for him as he tries to find out what's going on and pray for the doctor's as well, but uh, Pastor Brent asked me to fill in 
and uh, talk about the life of Abraham. And uh, I don't know how hard it is to get the life of Abraham in one sermon. It is, it is probably impossible, but I'm going to do my best. I, I, I've highlighted some things in his life that I think speak to us the most, but just real quick, I want to remind us, remind ourselves about what Pastor's already covered. He's, he's covered the, uh, the paradise that God made for Adam and Eve, and he put them in this special place, and he wanted to have fellowship with them, and, and they sinned, and just as God begins to condemn them, or, or condemn Eve, he gives them the first glimmer of hope of salvation. He in his cursing of Eve, uh, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between her off, your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. If you remember, Brent preached on that just a few weeks ago. And uh, if you remember that scripture. But remember that this enmity is actually really good news for us. It really is. It means that the seed of the woman will war against the seed of the serpent. And that one day, the seed of the woman will prevail. This seed would be the promised one that will restore God's people to God's place under God's rule. Isn't that good news this morning? So when Brent asked me to fill in this morning, I, I got to tell you, it was tough. Because, uh, you know, if I just put together a sermon, I can, I can just put together a sermon. But Brent likes to challenge people. So when he, he tells you he wants you to speak about a specific thing uh you know you have to come out of your comfort zone a little bit and and do a little more studying and do a little more digging in and do a little more prepping uh for the sermon uh but i'm going to try my best to highlight some things of abraham's life that i believe are vital for us to understand how many of you understand that we have something to un to, to learn from the old testament we really do i know there's a lot of people who believe that the old testament's not for them we're New Testament Christians, and so we read only the New Testament, and we have nothing to do much with the Old Testament because it's hard to understand, it's hard to read, and you just don't feel like that it, it applies to you. That's one of the reasons why when we were designing life groups this semester, we threw in some Old Testament stories because there is a lot of good meat in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, over about three quarters of the New Testament is Old Testament, so... You, you know, it's important for us to understand. Second Timothy 3 says that all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to pre prepare and equip his people to do every good work. You want to know why you keep messing up? Because you ain't in the word of God. Because the word of God teaches us what is right. It teaches us what we're doing is wrong and teaches us what to do that is right. In fact, the Roman tells us that it's such things were written in scriptures long ago to teach us. What such things? The Old Testament. Such things were written long ago and the scriptures give us a hope and an encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. How many of you have promises that you're waiting patiently on this morning? I know I have some personal promises that God has given me that I am waiting patiently on, but I can tell you I also have the promise that my Savior's coming back one day. I'm ready 
to see that happen and I long to see him coming in the clouds of glory to end this mess once and for all. No more coronavirus, amen? He's coming one day to end all of this and so uh, I long to see that and that's a promise that we wait patiently upon. So we're looking at the life of Abraham today and how the plan of redemption begins to unfold. But first, I want to go back to this story of Adam and Eve real quick. I want you, I think it's important that we understand the heart of God in this matter before we can really understand the lengths that God would go through to bring us redemption. I think we have to understand the heart of God in the matter of Adam and Eve. Because a lot of times we read this story about Adam and Eve and we think God was angry and he was mad that they had sinned. And the fact is, I like to believe that God was very broken. He was broken hearted. The fact that he had created all of this beautiful uh, paradise and, and, and even that wasn't good enough for God. So he created a human being in his likeness, in his image, and he planted him in this beautiful paradise that he creation he created and this this being becomes something that God longed to be with he loved him and wanted to be with him and commune with him and walk with him him and, and then he created Eve and he wanted to be with them this was his creation this was his prize jewel in the Garden of Eden and so then you know they sinned and immediately their sin separated them from a holy God there's a sermon right there. That's a real quick sermon for all of us to know that sin will separate you from a holy God. It's, it's not because he's with, it's not because he separated, it's because you separated. And your sin separates you from a holy God. But I like to think that God here is coming through the garden. And I think a lot of times, you know, we hear the scripture and God's saying, he's calling out to Adam and he's saying, where are you, Adam? And we think it's like a mad thing, but I, I really believe that God is broken. How many of you know that God is all-knowing? So he, he already knew that they had sinned. And I think he was looking, I think he was expressing his heartbreak here. I believe there was a little bit of an emotion like, where are you, Adam? Where are you? Who told you you were naked? Because God knew that now this prize jewel that he created, he, had to, he, had to, he couldn't have nothing to do with. Their sin had separated him from them. So I believe that God had a broken heart, and I believe that God's heart is to redeem mankind. His heart on the matter is to redeem mankind. So God begins to unfold his plan of redemption through one man, and his name is Abraham. In Genesis 12, 1 through 7, we'll read, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, 
and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when they left Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people who had taken into all the people he had taken into his household at Haran, and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the oak of Moreh. At that time, the area was inhabited by the Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give you this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord, he had, he had, who had appeared before him. After that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country and Bethel to the west of Ai to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord. Then Abram continued traveling south by stages toward Negev, Negev or something like that. One of those words. So we see here that God has chosen a man to bring about his plan. One man that will multiply and become what we know as the nation of Israel or God's chosen people. But isn't Abraham's faith remarkable? I mean, I, I think it's, it's hard to talk about Abraham if we don't talk about Abraham's faith. He is the father of our faith. He is the father of faith here. I mean, he, he is the ultimate example. I believe it's remarkable that he believed in God when there was, there was no one to preach the gospel to him. When there was no one to look up to in the matters of faith. When there was nobody else who believed. He simply believed God. Isn't that extraordinary? I mean, especially to us who find it hard to believe without seeing. I mean, we, 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 it's hard for us to believe that God will take care of us. It's hard for us to believe that God will supply our every need. It's hard for us to have faith enough to tithe and believe that God will supply our need like he says he would. And here we find Abraham who's, he just believed. I love that about him. God said, leave, what's, leave your native land, need of your, leave your native country, leave your father's house, and go to a place I will show you. And Abraham left. Man, wouldn't that, how far down the road would we be if we had that kind of faith? I think it's, I think about this coronavirus, you know. I know it's the topic of, of the last week or so, and, but I think about, you know, what a frantic it's put us in. And don't get me wrong, I believe that, that we have to have some caution here. I think the church is doing what's right in this matter. I think we're taking the right necessarily, necessary cautions to, uh, to prevent people from getting this stuff. And we're obeying the law of the land like Pastor Brent has said. But, man, we can't hide under a rock. We can't hide in a cave somewhere. We should have enough faith about us to say, you know what, I'm a child of the living God and I'm covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And no, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Whether it be natural or man-made, whatever it is, the Bible tells us that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Now I'm not saying that you go out here and start challenging God and licking people's 
pans and countertops. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know we're, we, we got the radicals out there who say, you know, we're just crazy. And, and, but, hey, we, God give us a brain and expects us to use it. You know, he gives us wisdom and expects us to use that wisdom. And I think that we're doing that correctly in this church and by how we're handling that. But there has to be a faith factor in it. There has to, you know what? Every, the first time I ever rode a plane, I was scared to death. I ain't never been on a plane. I think I, my first plane trip was maybe 10 years ago. I was in my 30s. And I thought, man, that's some scary stuff. When you, when you weigh up in the 20,000 feet in the air, and I'm thinking, I plead the blood of Jesus all over that plane. I'm talking... I'm sitting in there, and I'm getting ready to take off, you know, and I'm sitting there, and I know what's about to happen, and I'm, in my, in, I'm just whispering to myself, Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus over these pilots, Lord, over this plane, over these chairs, over, and I start going through the whole construction of the plane over all these people, Lord, and Lord, when we're in the air, I just pray that you keep us in the air, and, you know, and I just started, why? Because here's one thing that I've learned, that if I am under the blood, Whatever happens to me is what he allows to happen to me. If I'm in his, his presence and I'm in his control and he's covered me with the blood, I'm going to get the coronavirus if he wants me to have it. I'm going to die in a plane crash if that's how I'm supposed to go out. Because I find assurance and faith in the fact that God knows what's best for me and my family it's my job to cover myself with his blood, you see. That's the faith factor part of things. But no weapon formed against us shall prosper. My son, my son gave me uh, this acronym that he found uh, just last night, and it was a friend of his sent it to him, and it, this COVID-19, you know, it's C-O-V-I-D, and it basically they've, created an acronym for it says Christ over viruses infections and diseases isn't that good isn't that good they whoever whoever designed that COVID name had no idea what they were saying but it, it had a it had a, a scripture with it Joshua 1 9 says I have not I, I have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous do not be frightened and do not do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is wherever you go and he is with you that's good that's good news this morning but I thought that was worth sharing this morning how appropriate it was but here God called Abraham and Abraham left his homeland and he just believed in God and God chose him to be a covenant partner in redemption in God's redemptive plan for mankind and just as God has chose Abraham to be a partner in his redemption plan. He's, he has also chosen you and I to be a partner in his redemptive plan. But we have to take it by faith. We have to take it by faith. So redemption requires faith. Redemption requires faith. The only way that we can believe the whole redemption process is by faith. It's like, I, I think of the scripture when Jesus was asking his disciples, who are people saying that I am? 
And they say, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah. And, and Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And Peter replied and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and Jesus got, he almost got excited on the inside. And he was like, wow, Peter, what good faith you got there. Because I did you know, people have not, my father has revealed that to you. So it's hard for us to even understand the process of redemption without faith. We put our faith in a lot of things, though, don't we? I just talked about an airplane. We put our, we put our faith in airplanes. We put our faith in cars every day. We put our faith in, uh, you know, going over bridges. You put your faith in those pews that they're going to hold your tail up this morning. But they might not. I thought... Your faith is only as strong as the object you're putting it into. Think about that for a minute. Your faith is only as strong as the object you, you're putting your faith in. So if you've got a car that's 30 years old and it's hanging on by a thread, <clears throat> you ain't got much faith in that car. But if you've got a car that's brand new, got warranty, and it's only got 20 miles on it, you've got a little more faith in that car, you see. But aren't you glad that when you put your faith in someone called Jesus, he never fails. So you have a faith that never fails because your faith is in an object that never fails. He will never leave us nor forsake us and he will never fail us. Isn't that great this morning? <clears throat> but we do, we put, our, we put our faith in so many things and we put our faith in doctors, we put our faith in uh, uh, jobs and job security. We put our faith even in family. But what if God asked you to take your family, leave your job, and move across the country, or better yet, move across the world and go to a place that I will show you? Would you do it? No. Most of us probably would not do that. We'd probably rebuke that thought in the name of Jesus. But thank God for Abraham's faith. We can learn so much from his faith. His, his faith started so many things. He got the redemptive process rolling. What if Abraham would not have believed God? If he had not believed God, then we, we would not be sitting here. Now, God is God. He'd have probably found somebody else to do the job, but you get what I'm saying. Had he not believed God, he is the father of many nations. He, his seed is, is what we're all here for. So what if he'd have said no? But here's something about Abraham's faith that I believe that we can learn. By faith, Abraham became the father of many nations. God told him that he would make him the father of many nations, although he didn't have any children yet. How many of you know that if you're going to be the father and you're going to multiply, it takes some children got to be somewhere down the road, you know, and he's, he's in his 70s, so, you know, uh, something's going to have to happen soon if, if he's ever going to multiply, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, so how many of you understand that by faith, Abraham believed God when he didn't have children and when his wife was barren. 
and couldn't have children, Abraham believed God. I think that's amazing for us to understand how Abraham just had the faith to believe God. We need to just believe God sometimes. We just need to believe God sometimes. If we're going to put our hands in his hands, we just need to believe that he's going to take care of us. We don't need to be scared. We don't need to fear. We need to just let him be in control and learn from our father of faith here and just believe God. But we find in Genesis 15 that sometime later the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you have given me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will have to be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram aside outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars. If you can, if you can count the stars if you can, that's how many descendants you will have. With Abraham that day and said, I've given this land to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River, the land now occupied by the Kenites, Kenites, Kenazites, Kadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Gergashites, and Jebusites. Lord have mercy. Like I said, a challenge. A challenge. But so, so redemption requires trust. I mean, here's Abraham who, he don't understand that, how, how are you going to do this, God? How are you going to bless me and I'm going to be the father of many nations? I don't even have a child. I don't even have anyone to hand it down to. I have no heir. And, and so God takes him and, and causes him to do a sacrifice here. And I think I skipped the whole part of that. Uh, just give me a second here. Yeah. Yeah, I skipped the whole part. My bad. But Abraham replied, let's go back to verse 8 there, uh, Graham. <clears throat> and it said, and Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteousness because of his faith. Then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure it will actually, I will actually possess it. So Abraham's here. He's saying to God, how in the world can that, this be, Lord? You've given me no heir. I've got no one to hand it down to. And so God begins to make a covenant with Abraham in verse 9. He says, the Lord told me, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So Abram uh, presented all these to him and killed them. Then he cut an animal down the middle and laid the he cut all the animals down the middle and laid the halves side by side. 
He did not, however, cut the birds in half. Some vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses, but Abram chased them away. As the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a terrifying darkness came down over him. Then the Lord said to Abram, You can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land, where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. We know that as the bondage in Egypt. You know, we, Later on you'll read that story uh, about Moses delivering his people, asking Pharaoh to let them go. So there's a little bit of prophecy here. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them. And in the end, they will come away with great wealth. As for you, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. After four generations, your descendants will return here to this land, for the sins of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destruction. After the sun went down and darkness fell, Abram saw a smoking pot, a smoking fire pot, and a flaming torch pass between the halves of the carcasses. So the Lord made a covenant with Abraham that day and said, I have given this land to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates, Euphrates River. And I am not about to say all those names again. So I missed that whole scripture, the meat of that scripture. I grabbed two pages and turned, but I missed the whole scripture there. But this passage of scripture for me is probably one of the most important passages of scripture in the Old Testament. Maybe in the whole Bible. Because uh, how many of you know covenants are designed to be between two parties? If you see a covenant, somebody makes a covenant, it's between two parties. But because God is, but what God is beginning to show us here is that salvation can only come one way. Can only come one way. That even though we keep failing Him, we keep failing him, but he loves us so much that in order to get back to his creation, go back to the Garden of Eden now, the broken heart of God, now he's working out a plan to get back to his creation, but we've already seen that he wiped off the face of the earth and started over with Noah and flooded the earth and started completely over with Noah and his sons, and then they seen it, they were just wicked again. So he is seeing a trend here that man cannot get it done. Man, humans are going to fall, so God is showing us that there's only one way that he can bring his salvation to back to his creation, and it, he knows that it depends on what he can do and not what we can do. So he, he is walking through the pieces alone. He is walking through the covenant alone. Did you know Hebrews tells us that basically what that is meaning is God is making a covenant by himself. Hebrews tells us that when God made the promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater to swear by, God swore by himself. So there was no one greater to swear by. How many of you know when you hear people swear, they shouldn't swear, but they usually say, I swear to God. Because they're swearing to someone greater than themselves. But how many of you know that there's no one greater than God? And so in order for him to make this official, he had to step outside himself and say, I swear by myself that you are going to be the father of many nations. And I'm going to bring a seed through you that's going to redeem mankind. The Bible says that our salvation is a gift from God. Not from anything we deserve or can earn, 
But because he made this covenant with Abraham, he sealed the deal when he caused Abraham to fall into a deep sleep and he walked through the pieces alone. There's power in that right there. If we, if we miss everything else, and we almost missed it, but if we, don't, if we don't take anything else from this service today, we have to take that right there. That is awesome. Do you know what that really means? That means the next time Satan tells you that you're no good or that you're not worthy or you can't do this thing, you can point him all the way back to the pieces. You can point him all the way back to the covenant of Abraham and say, uh-uh, Satan, God walked through it alone. He made a covenant and swore by himself. So it's not by my power that I can do this. It's not by my strength that I can do this. It's not by my might that I can do this. It is by the power and the might of Jesus Christ that I can run this race and I can finish well. Amen. That's good. That is good news this morning. <clears throat> but we find that God would go on and give him a son. You know the story. He, he, he blesses him with two sons, actually, but one of those sons is, is Abraham and Sarah trying to get ahead of God, and, and they've been waiting for a while. You know, it's, he was 75 when God called him, and then I think they're like 90, uh, in their 90s now, 99, and, and so, uh, you know, they take matters into their own hands and they believe that, you know, they're helping God. And so they take the servant, Hagar, and she sleeps with Abraham and she bears him a child by the name of Ishmael. You know the story, or you should. You should read up on it if you don't. But this son becomes uh, Abraham's son. And what we know today, the conflict in Israel between Palestine and Israel was birthed right here because what happens is Ishmael and Isaac is born later. God blesses him with the real promised son and gives him Isaac. And there's this immediate conflict between them. And as we know it today, all the chaos in the Middle East and all the mess that goes on in the Middle East is mostly the Palestinians against the Jews. And it's over land over there. It's over land over there. If you ever talk to uh, a Palestinian, I, I remember renting a truck uh, in, in Charlotte. We were moving some stuff from our store, and I walked into this U-Haul uh, place and was going to rent a truck, and this guy, I could clearly see he was Middle Eastern, you know, and, and uh, I asked him where he was from, and he said, Israel, no, Jerusalem. And I thought immediately, oh, he's Jewish. Well, no, he was not. When I, when I said, oh, you're Jewish, you would have thought I slapped this man in the face and spit on him because he unloaded on me for the next 30 minutes about how that is not their land and that's our land. And, and he went on and he basically told me that they raise their kids over here in America and they, they come over here in America and they work, work, work and they get all this money so that they can send their kids back to Jerusalem and back to the land so that they can fight for the land. And he goes on to tell me, you fight for the land. They teach their kids, you fight for the land. You see, and all that conflict started right here in this story between Ishmael and Isaac. 
But God gives him a promised, the promised son. He, Sarah becomes pregnant at a very old age. She gives birth to Isaac, and God gives him this son. And you can imagine this promised son is just got to be, I mean, I imagine it's just got to be, you know, you imagine God giving you something like that. Abraham had to be so attached to this kid. He had to be attached to this, this promised son that God had given him. So we find in Genesis 22 that after all of that, God gives him this promised son. And, but in Genesis 22, 1 through 19, it says sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here am I. Or here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. There we go. And sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I are going to travel a little further. We will worship there and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for I know, for I now know that you are true, that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yirah, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called Abraham, called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says, because you have obeyed me, and you have not withheld even your son, your only son. I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, your descendants will conquer the cities, their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed them. You have, you have obeyed me. Then they returned to the servants and traveled back to Beersheba where Abraham continued to live so my last point 
is redemption requires obedience. Here, this son that God has blessed Abraham with, the one thing that God miraculously blessed Abraham with, a son, is now the one thing that God is asking him to give up. If there is one thing that I've learned, it's that God wants to be first in our lives. And, and if we're going to serve him with all of our hearts, he expects just that, all of our hearts. So you can be sure that God will test your faith. He will not only ask you to obey him, but he will put you, he will deliberately put you in positions where you have to choose to obey him. I'm not sure what that looks like for you. It may be your job it, that's become an idol. It may be your hobbies. It may be, a, it may be your money. It may be possessions. Or maybe it's even your friends or your family. But God will eventually test your faith. You can be sure that if you're walking with him, he's going to test your faith. How, how many of you know that the only reason why he put a tree in the garden and told them not to eat of that tree is because he wanted to see their faith. He wanted to see that they would choose to love him. They would choose to do what is right and to love him instead of giving in to their own desires, their own wants. I don't know what, that's, I don't know what that is for you. I don't know what, what your test will be. Maybe some of you have already gone through some tests in here. Maybe God's already testing your faith on certain issues. And when I say test your faith, I don't mean testing your faith because you got road rage. And you can't handle somebody driving slow in front of you. You just need to get better at that. <laughs> Plain and simple, we just need to get better at that. I'm talking about truly testing your faith. Making you make a choice that's very difficult, like you did Abraham, the son of blessing, this miraculous blessing of this promised son, and now you're asking me to sacrifice him, God. For me, my test is the assumption that God had a plan that I begin to make plans for God in my life. You see, because I came such a, from such a messed up background, I came from drugs and a drug family and, and totally had nothing to do with God and wanted nothing to do with God, wasn't even thinking about God. And so when I miraculously, he miraculously saved my soul and my wife and I got saved, man, we, we got saved at a very young age. We had our first child, and, and he, he, was, he was born in April of 97, and we were saved in August of 97. So God saved us at the right time, you see. And I thought, I'm from a broken home. My wife's from a broken home. Surely, surely he's got nothing but goodness for me. Goodness for my family. Surely, when my, my, my kids get older, they're going to they're gonna be serving the Lord, and they're going to be 
uh, you know, on fire for God because we were saved at a young age and we raised them in church their whole life and we raised them and sent them to a Christian school their whole life and they know the word of God and they know what's right from wrong and God saved us because he wanted to use us to, for our kids, you know. And our kids to have so much more than we had. And I used to go around the churches when we used to sing in a group. And I used to tell people, I've one day, because my family is broken and my wife's family is broken, and we're both from a family that's broken, one day I'm going to sit at the table with my family, my kids, and their kids, and their wives. And it's going to be a family circle unbroken. I used to tell people that. I used to tell people God's plans for my life. And that became an idol to me. That became an idol to me, you see, because I used to, I used to think, surely that's what God would want. And then when my oldest son left off for college and he decided that he was going to go a totally different direction, he didn't want nothing to do with God. He wanted to live his life for him. You see, God began to show me that's not the life, that's not the life that I have for you. We cannot be presumptuous. You don't know what God has planned for you. You don't know how God's going to test your faith. I'm not saying that one day I still won't sit at the table. I believe that I will. I, I still believe that that's a promise from God, and I believe that it will happen one day. It, I might be an old man when it happens. But as of right now, it's not the life that God had planned for me. I used to go around sure in my soul that that's the life that God wanted for me. And yet, it's not what he had planned for me. What is it in your life? What is it in your life that you need to sacrifice? You see, because just as Abraham sacrificed Isaac, I had to sacrifice my son. And I had to say, just as the sin in the garden separated them from their father, God, my son's sin separates him from me. And I had to put him on the altar. I didn't have to kill him like Abraham, but I had to put him on the altar of sacrifice. And I had to say, God, he's yours. I give him to you, Father. He's yours. I trust that you know what's best with him for him, God. What in your life do you have to sacrifice? Because I can tell you the only way that we we become what God wants us to be is we have to there's gonna be some sacrifice. There's gonna be some obedience. He's gonna ask you to obey him. He's gonna put you in a place where you have to choose to obey him. And it's going to hurt. It's going to be painful. 
I conclude with this parallel. I don't know if you've seen the parallels or maybe I've not made it evident to you, but there are some serious parallels in this story and Christ. There's no clearer picture of the cross and the sacrifice that the Father made for us than in Genesis 22 when Abraham sacrificed his son. Isaac is one of the clearest types of Christ in the Old Testament. Both fulfilled promises. Isaac was the long-promised son to Abraham. Jesus was the long-promised Messiah and Son of God. Both were only sons of their father. God said that Isaac was your son, your only son, whom you love, Abraham. God said, this is my beloved son and whom I am well pleased. Both had miraculous birth. Isaac was born to parents who were very old. Jesus was born of a virgin and conceived by the Holy Spirit. Both had a conception and birth that was pre-announced. Both were named before their birth. Both were mocked and persecuted by their own kindred. Both were undeserving of their sacrificial death. Both were sacrificed near the same place. Both were loved by their fathers. Both had three-day experience. Because Isaac had a three-day hike to Mount Moriah. And the Bible says that they didn't speak to each other. And Jesus had three days from the cross where he was separated from the Father. Both were accompanied by two men, Isaac by two servants, Jesus by two thieves. Both carried their own wood. Isaac carried the wood on his own, of his own sacrifice. And Jesus carried the crossbeam of his cross. Both submitted to their father. Isaac willingly laid down his life, submitting to his father. Jesus submitted his father's will and laid down his life for our sin. And that good this morning. Both asked the question. Isaac asked Abraham, here's the fire in the wood, father, but where is the lamb? And Jesus cried, my God, my God, why have thou, why have thou forsaken me? Both were brought back from the dead. Isaac was brought back, figuratively speaking, by faith of Abraham. But Jesus rose from the dead three days after he was crucified. Think about it. There are no accidents or coincidences within the will of God. The story of Abraham and Isaac was given to us to show us God's plan of redemption. His plan of salvation through sacrificing his only son. Jesus on the cross. Jesus became what we were that we might have what he is. Because the Bible says he who knew no sin was made sin for you and I. He became what we were so that we could have what he is. Isn't that amazing? God initiated his redemptive plan with a partnership with people. And you say, I said earlier that God wants to use you as a partner. He wants you to be a part of his redemptive plan. It's not over yet. We're not sitting in heaven. It's not over yet. We still have work to do. And Jesus wants to use his church as part of a redemption plan. He, he's got a job for you to do. 
When's the last time you invited somebody to church? Don't do it now. But when's the last time you invited somebody to church? When's the last time you just boldly spoke to somebody about their faith? Because you are a part of it, you see. You are a part of his plan. And just as he uses Abraham, he wants to use you. But you'll have to get some stuff out of the way, probably. You'll have to make some sacrifices, probably. you have to come out of your comfort zones and, and do what he's asking you to do. But he wants to use you. But are you willing to obey? Are you willing to obey like Abraham? worship team is going to come and they're going to sing this song it's not, it's not really an altar call but you guys you stand with us and you ask yourself what is it in your life what is it in your life that you need to sacrifice what is it in your life that you know that you need to obey the Lord on this song simply says as for me and my house we will serve the Lord Lifting up holy hands and worship, we will not bow to the gods of men. We will, we will worship the God of Israel. Because you are holy, you are holy. So my, my invitation to you is you stand and declare that with us this morning. You are holy, you are holy. As you're, as you're proclaiming it and declaring it to God, I ask you to search your heart. As we, re, as we have Easter coming up and we're reflecting on what Christ did on the cross, he was crucified and he was sacrificed for you and I. What can we sacrifice for him this Easter? I mean, let's get real. We're, we did the whole ash thing and some of us just really didn't sacrifice much. I mean, if we're just going to be honest, we try, we try to sacrifice something that we know is not going to hurt us much. So it's easy for us to do. But I believe God's calling us deeper than that. I believe if we're going to stand the test of time and make it to the end, we're going to have to give up a little more than that. We're going to have to go through the fire, maybe. And if we can't give up something for him now, man. So ask yourself, as, as we reflect on the cross and reflect on the sacrifice of Jesus for your sins, to make it possible for you to be here, to make it possible for you to be redeemed, what will you sacrifice for him? You ask that in your hearts as you worship him this morning.
Let's pray together. Father, I just give you thanks that in the midst of every storm, in the midst of every crisis, you are still God, you are still on the throne, and you are in control. I thank you that even when this world was broken from the very beginning, you had a plan. Thank you for the word that we heard today. Thank you for the honesty that Pastor Jason brought about how things have played out in his life. 
God, we all have struggles. We all have things that we wish were not present. But we know that you are present and you are greater than anything we're going through. Lord, I plead the blood over this house. I plead the blood over every person that's in attendance here today. Thank you for their presence, God. I pray that as they go out, you would protect them, protect their family, protect us as a city and as a county, as a state and as a nation, God. Lord, we thank you that you are bigger than anything we face. Lord, if there's something in our lives that's not pleasing to you, I pray that you would help us to repent of that, that our hands would be made clean, that our hearts would match yours, God, that we would be men and women after your own heart, God, and that we would walk worthy of the calling you've placed on our lives, the calling to be part of your family. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for his shed blood. We thank you for the salvation we have in him. It's in his name we pray all of these things. And Rushwood said together, amen. Before you leave, one more thing or a couple more things. If you're watching online, we would ask that you would share this service today. We've got a lot of people who weren't able to be here for one reason or another. So if you're on Facebook or if you're on YouTube, share this on social media so it reaches more people. Uh, you don't know, you may affect somebody's eternity with just sharing that. So we just ask that you would do that. And the other thing I need to tell you is I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. Thank you for being here. Thank you for watching online. Have a great week. We love you.